chapter 18, a long chapter. Uh, We're already behind, but let's read through. It says, And after these things I saw another angel come down from heaven, having a great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon, the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become the habitation of demons, and the hold of every foul spirit, and the cage of every unclean and hateful bird. For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her immorality, and the kings of the earth have committed immorality with her, and the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that you may not receive, uh, that you may not partake of her sins, and that you receive not her plagues. For her sins have reached unto heaven, and God hath remembered her iniquities. Reward her even as she rewarded you, and double unto her double according everything of her works, with the cup with which she filled, fill it to her double, how much she hath glorified herself and lived deliciously. Now the word there is luxuriously. So much torment and sorrow give her. For she saith in her heart, I sit a queen, and am no widow, and shall see no sorrow. Therefore shall her plagues come in one day, death and mourning and famine. She shall be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord who judges her. And the kings of the earth who have committed fornication and lived uh, luxuriously with her shall bewail her and lament her when they shall see the smoke of her burning, standing afar off, for fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, that great city Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour is thy judgment come. And the merchants of the earth shall weep and mourn over her, for no man buyeth their merchandise any more, the merchandise of gold and of silver, of precious stones, of pearls, of fine linen and purple, of silk and scarlet, and all types of wood, all manner of vessels of ivory, all manner of vessels of precious wood and of brass and of iron and of marble and cinnamon and odors and ointments and frankincense and wine and oil and fine flour and wheat and beasts and sheep and horses and chariots and the slaves, literally the bodies and the souls of men and the fruits of thy soul hath lusted after are departed from thee And all things which were dainty and goodly are departed from thee, and thou shalt find them no more at all. The merchants of these things which were made rich by her shall stand afar off for the fear of her torment, weeping and wailing and saying, Alas, alas, that great city that was clothed in fine linen and purple and scarlet and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls. For in one hour so great riches is come to nothing. And every shipmaster and all the company in ships and sailors and as many as trade by sea stood afar off. And they cried 
when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, What city is like unto this great city? And they cast dust upon their heads, and they cried, weeping and wailing, saying, Alas, alas, that great city, wherein were made rich all that had ships in the sea by reason of her costliness. For in one hour is she made desolate. Rejoice over her, ye heavens, ye holy apostles and prophets, for God hath avenged you on her. And a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and cast it into the sea, saying, Thus with violence shall that great city Babylon be thrown down and shall be found no more at all. And the voice of harpers and musicians and pipers and uh, trumpeters shall be heard no more at all in thee. And no craftsman of whatsoever craft uh, shall be found any more in thee. And the sound of a millstone shall be heard no more at all in thee. And the light of the lampstand shall shine no more at all in thee. And the voice of the bridegroom and of the bride shall be heard no more at all in thee. For thy merchants were the great men of the earth, for by thy sorceries, by thy sorceries were all in, uh, nations delivered, deceived, I'm sorry. And in her was found the blood of the prophets and the saints and of all that were slain upon the earth. Now, chapter 19, verses 1 and 2 kind of give heaven's response to this. And after these things, I heard a great voice, much people in heaven saying, Hallelujah. First time you find it in the Bible, four times in this chapter. Hallelujah, salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. Here's the reason. For true and righteous are thy judgments, for he hath judged the great whore, which did corrupt the earth with her fornication or immorality, and hath avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. So we have this picture in chapter 17 and 18 of Babylon. In chapter 14, verse 8, we hear much of the same thing said there, as uh, we were looking at it from a different angle. It said there, there followed another angel saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she made all the nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication or immorality. And then in chapter 16, it said this when it was ending, Babylon came in remembrance before God to give unto her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. And then over 19.2, this praise is going on in heaven because God has judged the great whore. So chapter 17 and 18 are what scholars call parenthetic, a parenthesis. On TV, you have a station break. So what happens is chapter 14, 16 tell us that Babylon is judged, it's destroyed. Chapter 19, there's praise in heaven because the great whore has been judged by God. But then we take a step back in chapter 17 and 18, and we look at this great city, this great system that is destroyed. Chapter 17 gives us religious Babylon. 
Chapter 18 gives us commercial or economic Babylon. Chapter 17, religious Babylon is destroyed by men. Chapter 18, commercial Babylon is destroyed by God. Chapter 17, when religious Babylon is destroyed, it's agreed. This is what mankind wants. They rejoice. In chapter 18, when commercial Babylon is destroyed, the whole world is mourning and weeping, which gives us a picture of priorities. Look, in the middle of all of this, there are two exhortations, and we want to take them today. We'll study through the chapter. In verse 4, it says, to come out of her, my people. The exhortation is, get yourself out of this. You don't want to partake of her sins and of her plagues. And it's talking about a Babylonish system. Babylon is city for sure. Rome, I don't think so. New York is the best Babylon going right now, but that's not what it's talking about here. Uh, it isn't Philadelphia. Um, I don't believe it's Jerusalem. I believe we're going to see a re- remarkable and miraculous rising of ancient Babylon on the Euphrates. Zechariah chapter 5, beginning at verse 5, tells us that there was a talent, which is the largest agricultural and value measure. It was sealed with a lead seal. A woman who was unclean sat in the middle of it, and two storks, unclean birds, took the talent and took it to the plains of Shinar and set it on its pedestal there. The plains of Shinar are clearly Babylon, Iraq. So the picture there in Zechariah is it will be established there. For you and I, the religious system is broader than just a city. It's affected the whole world. There is a turning away from the truth of God's word for a compromised religious system where everybody's willing to believe whatever they want to believe and all get along and nobody has any standards. That's going to be destroyed. And then there's a commercial Babylon. And when we read about here, it's the merchants of the whole earth. It's the shipmasters of the whole earth. This is a global picture. So whatever the singular city is, her influence is global. And in response to that globalism, that influence, God says to you and I, come out of her, my people. God speaking. I don't want you to be part of this. And then in verse 20, it says rejoice. I want you to rejoice over this destruction. The two things that are said. God says, look, there's this world system. It's, it's filled with sin. It's filled with crime. It's filled with hatred. It's filled with sex trafficking. It's filled with addiction. It's filled with suicide. It's filled with death. Yeah, it may prosper. It might be luxurious. Yeah, the rich get richer. Yeah, the power brokers get tired of just having money. Then they want to live, it says, more luxurious and more luxurious. And when that wears out, then what they want is power. And they want more and more power. But their whole system is going to fall apart. And in one hour, the whole thing's going to be destroyed. And you and I, it says, should be willing to rejoice that that system is going down because we believe there's another kingdom coming when our Lord Jesus, the Lord of Lords and King of Kings, will set up his kingdom in the world. And that's what we're supposed to rejoice in. And the other system, 
is deceptive and destructive. And no matter how many people, we can get blinded by that. And the Lord warned, warned the church of Laodicea. You, you know, you think you're, you know, you have need of nothing. You're rich and you have this, and you're blind, miserable, poor, wretched, and naked. You need to buy of me, he says. You know, let me be your merchant. Buy of me the things you need. And I salve so you can see clearly. The church needs to be warned about Babylon in the world as well. And the exhortation, if we take the warning, is come out of her, my people. Look, that's a present imperative. You must continually be coming out of her. It's not a suggestion. It's a command. It's an imperative. You must, this is for you and I, continually be coming out of the Babylonian system. Because every day it's going to pull on us. Every day it's going to try to drag us back in. Our direction must be a direction of continually coming out of that system. The Lord says, my people. Because he knows our destiny. He sees what's ahead of us. And this is all junk, tchotchke. This ain't nothing. He knows what's ahead of us. And he said, I don't want to see you partake of her sins or her plagues. Come out of her and rejoice as a present imperative. You must constantly be rejoicing about the end of all this and the coming of our destiny and what we're longing for. So he breaks it down and gives us an interesting picture as we come into the indictment is in verses 1 to 3. And after these things, I saw another angel. It's not the one from 17.1 who had the seven last plagues. This is another of the same kind, but it's not that angel. I saw another angel come down from heaven having great power it's exousia having great authority and the earth was lightened with his glory so this babylonian world is drugged from the darkness into the light with the glory of this great angel as he comes so that we can see it this morning it's all drugged into the light and he cried with a mighty and a strong voice saying babylon the great is fallen, is fallen. We're going to hear that. Alas, alas, is fallen. The fallen, it emphasizes, is fallen, is fallen, and has become the habitation, literally, of demons, and has become the hole, the hiding place of every foul spirit, and the cage of every unclean and hateful bird. The reason for all nations, that's the new world order there, that's where it's headed. If you're wondering about globalism, here's the direction. All nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, her immorality, spiritually, physically, commercially. They've entered into the wrath of her immorality. And the kings, the power brokers of the earth, have committed immorality with her, and the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. It's our words we go through, her luxuries. There's a luxury about it. It's deceptive. Even as we head into the second half of the tribulation, there's something about this kingdom, and judgment will come, and darkness will fall apart. That's got to be at the very end of things, but there's still power being demonstrated on the earth by the Antichrist and this religious, political, 
system, and it says the kings, the power brokers, the merchants have entered in because of the luxury that was demonstrated there. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, listen, come out of her, my people. It's got to be the Lord. The reason that you be not partakers of her sins, that you receive not of her plagues. The Lord looks at his people in the middle of what you see on the news every day, what you see going on, the moral standards around us, the hatred for religious people and for institutions of morality and so forth. And the Lord says, "Come, you must constantly be moving away, come out of her constantly. You've got to be coming out of her, my people. That's, that's so important. We're supposed to be separate. This gathering on Sunday, when you gather in fellowships, different groups, we gather together, it doesn't matter what race we are, it doesn't matter what financial position we're in, it doesn't matter our age, it doesn't matter our generation. The world is supposed to know that Jesus is real, that we're his disciples by the love that we have one for another. What we come together and enjoy here, the world knows nothing about, and we're to be separate. We're not to be like them. Notice this. The Lord doesn't say to his people, be like them. He says, don't be like them. Come out from among them. Because there's a whole part of the church today that's decided it needs to be culturally relevant. And if it can be like them, it can win them over then in evangelism because it's acting like and looking like them. You know, preachers with sneakers, $2,000 sneakers, Babylon. Babylon. Jesus didn't have $2,000 sandals, okay? So, look, he doesn't say be like them. God's people are called be separate from them. Come out from among them. You know, lay up your treasures in heaven, not on earth. In heaven, where moth and rust don't corrupt, where thieves can't break in and steal. Do that because... Where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. We're told in caution, set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth, but where Christ sits at the right hand of God. Because when Christ, who is our life, appears, we will appear with him in glory. He's calling us to separation. It tells us this in Second Corinthians. It says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness and unrighteousness? And what communion hath light and darkness? And what concord hath Christ and the devil? What part hath he that is a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. I will be their God. They shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them. That's what we're reading here in chapter 18. Come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. The idea is I will receive you kindly. And I will be a father unto you. You shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. So God always 
calling his people to separation. Will there be believers in Babylon? I don't know, my people. I don't know all of the details of that. I know this is a timeless exhortation. It's in the present tense. What's important for you and I this morning is not what will be happening then in the end of the tribulation. What's important for us today is what is God by his Holy Spirit saying to you and I today? Because the world around us has gone to hell. How many of us, friends and relatives and kids and moms and dads and neighbors, are lost? They're lost and they're going to hell. And we're here for that reason. That's why we're here. If we just think we're here to gather materialistic things to ourselves, we are going to live a frustrated life and never be satisfied. And here it says all of that's going to disappear in one hour. It's going to be gone. And what it's really worth is going to come before our eyes. When it turns to ashes and we realize it all burns, then there'll be perspective. He's saying have it now. Come out from them. Be separate. Don't set your values there. Don't partake in her sins. Be separate, saith the Lord. He's speaking, it says here, to his people. So there's a call to us in that respect. All of us here. To be separate. Not to be like the world. Not to be ingrained in it. Not to be comfortable with it. We're to evangelize it. We're to let our light shine in it. The difference about our life is to be recognizable to the unsaved world. We're not supposed to blend in so well. They don't even know that we're believers. So there is that first exhortation there to come out from among them. And and then in verse 5, it tells us of the deception. For the reason we need to do that is for her sins have reached unto heaven. That word reached there in the Greek is interesting. It means to be glued and and it can mean to be piled up. It's almost a picture of the Tower of Babel. Her sins have reached unto heaven and God hath remembered her iniquities. Now he hadn't forgotten them. God can't forget. When it says here that he's remembering the iniquities of Babylon, I'm very thankful that in Psalm 103 it says of you and I that our sins and iniquities he will remember no more. Isn't that a blessing? I'm really good with that because I got a load. And our sins and iniquities he'll remember no more. He can't forget he's God, but he can choose not to remember. He's made a choice in my life because I'm washing the blood of his son not to remember my sins and iniquities. It says he separated them as far as the east is from the west. But here it says he now is remembering the iniquities of this Babylonish system. And then he says, all right, reward her even as she rewarded you. And double unto her, double, pay her back double according to her works. And in the cup which she had filled, fill it to her double. How much she has glorified herself. That's the world we live in. And lived luxuriously, wantonly is the idea there. So much to the measure she's done that, so much torment and sorrow. Give her, 
For she saith, she continually says in her heart, look what it says, I sit a queen, and I am no widow, and shall see no sorrow. First of all, you ain't a queen. You're the great whore. You ain't a queen. And to say you're not a widow, you're not going to see sorrow. And it's a oi may, we come up with a double negative all the way through the chapter. She's saying, I'm never, ever anymore at all going to see sorrow. Well, verse 8 says she's going to see sorrow. Verse 10 says she's going to see sorrow. Verse 14 says she's going to see sorrow. Verse 17 says she's going to see sorrow. So she doesn't know what she's talking about. Okay? Therefore, because this is her attitude, because this she's, she's polluted the world, therefore shall her plagues come, look what it says, in one day. Death and mourning and famine, she shall be utterly burned with fire. The reason for strong is the Lord who judges her. And we move into a series of lamentations now. The first lamentation in verse 9 is by the kings of the earth, the power brokers, presidents, rulers, heads of corporations, the kings. The second lamentation in verse 11 is by the merchants in the world, those that are dealing. And down in verse 17, it says, And every shipmaster and all the company of ships and sailors, as many you know, are, are serving her by sea, international commerce. Then finally, there's a lamentation. Interesting. The kings of the earth, look what it says here. The kings of the earth who have committed fornication, immorality, and lived luxuriously with her shall bewail her and lament for her when they shall see future tense they're gonna the smoke of her burning and standing afar off for the fear of her torment saying alas alas that great city Babylon that mighty city look what it says for in one hour is thy judgment come bitcoin's going to be gone in 20 minutes all of the wealth everything think ever the power brokers think they have power all of them who think they can gather themselves all of the rich heads of multinational corporations everybody who thinks that you and i are minions and we're not smart enough and they need to rule over us with their corporations and their brains and everything else in one hour Everything they built their foundation on is going to go up in smoke. One hour gone. The power brokers are going to see it and lament over it. Now the merchants in verse 11. It says, And the merchants of the earth shall weep and mourn over her, for no man buyeth their merchandise anymore. This shut down their business. The merchandise of gold and silver and precious stones and of pearls of fine linen and purple so there'll be a a global cashless collapse then fine linen and purple fashion I mean what are they going to do in the Grammys when they want to have little gold statues and put on fancy clothes and worship themselves no matter what anybody else thinks the fashion's gone out the window, linen, fine linen, purple, 
silk, scarlet, all thyme wood, all manner of vessels of ivory and all manner of vessels of most precious wood and of brass and of iron and of marble and cinnamon and the odors of ointments and frankincense and wine and oil and fine flour, the finest things of the agricultural world and wheat and beasts and sheep and horses and chariots, and then King James says the slaves and souls of men. The, the Greek says the bodies and the souls of men. So horses and chariots. This relates to us. They're all going to be, I parked mine outside when I got here this morning. <laughs> and the really interesting thing about this Greek word for chariot, it means a four-wheel chariot or cart. Some of you pay way too much attention to your chariots. No more chariots, it says. And then it says, and the bodies and the souls of men. That's what Babylon deals in. Look, we see the sex trafficking of children all around us and of women and of boys and the, the, the bodies of men. Babylon is part of their merchandise and what they do. And what Satan is really after, the bodies and the souls of men, the souls of men. You know, Jesus said, you know, if you if you lay down your life for my sake in the gospel, you'll find it. If you seek to save your life, you'll lose it. He said, what does it matter if a man gains the whole world, cosmos, the whole universe, and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Because the soul is eternal. And everything in this world is going to burn up and it is temporary. Even this ball of dirt we live in. So when one person gets saved, all of heaven rejoices. What's important around us is not how much we accrue to ourselves, what our chariots look like, what our threads look like. What's important around us is there's lost human beings and we're called right now to live in this day and to share the love of Christ with the lost world. And we're not going to do that without the power of the Holy Spirit. We should be a church that's praying afresh for the power of the Holy Spirit because there's a lost world around us. And every single soul that gets saved changes eternity. Nothing else does. It's all going to burn up. But a human soul, and it's the business of the great whore and the devil to take the bodies and souls of men. And sadly, you and I know people who profess to be Christian, you think, wow, their soul is gone. And you hope God is going to break them and chasten them, and chastise them and turn them around. That's his business, not ours. But this is what this world is after, the bodies and the souls of men. Your soul, listen, your soul is worth more to Jesus than the entire universe. Your single soul. And there's one soul somewhere, the last one that gets saved, and then the Lord's going to blow the trumpet and get us out of here. So go out there and get witnessing, would you please? If you're listening on the app or something, get witnessing, you know, please. Let's get the job done and go home. And the fruits that thy soul lusted after are departed from thee, 
and all things which were dainty and goodly are departed from thee, and thou shalt find them, double negative, no more at all, no, not ever. And the merchandise of these things which were made rich by her, the merchant of these things which were made rich by her, shall stand afar off for the fear of her torment, weeping and wailing, and saying, Alas, alas, that great city that was clothed in fine linen and purple and scarlet and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls. For in one hour so great a riches has come to nothing. That kind of tells us what we should be investing ourselves in, doesn't it? In one hour. You know, God knows what his kingdom is like. He looks at us. We're his blood-bought sons and daughters. He watches us get wrapped up in this world. And it doesn't just happen with media. It, now we, we take it with us. we got media. We're in our hand all day. We can just enter into that world. You know, it's like an alcoholic having vodka come out of his spigot. You know, you get addicted to that. It's with you all the time. It's in your hand. In one hour, it's all going to be gone. It's, you know, Paul tells us even the creation is groaning and travailing, waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God, because creation itself has been subject to vanity. Creation doesn't think Babylon's cool. Creation doesn't care if Babylon says, save the whale, save the spotted owl. Creation is groaning and travailing. It's, it says, you know, Look, longing for, the, the Greek phrase means with stretched out head looking around the corner. Creation knows the kingdom could come at any moment. And it's not waiting for this world to get fixed. It's waiting for what we should be waiting for. In one hour, so greater riches is come to naught. And then the third lament, every shipmaster, everyone, every single international commerce, and all the company of ships and sailors, they didn't do it with planes and trains then, it was ships. And as many as trade by sea, they stood afar off. And they cried when they saw the smoke of her burning and said, What city is like unto this great city? And they cast dust on their heads and they cried, weeping and wailing, saying, Alas, alas, that great city wherein were made rich all that had ships in the sea by reason of her costliness. Here it is now for the third time. For in one hour, kings see it, the merchants see it, international commerce sees it, in one hour she is made desolate. And then look at the great contrast. In verse 20 it says... And that's not speaking to the unbelievers that are wailing. It's speaking to God's people that verse 4 spoke to. Rejoice, it says here, over her. Rejoice. Present imperative. You must continually be rejoicing over the destruction of this world system. Thou heaven and... Now King James says holy apostles and prophets. Your translation might say that. The Greek says, Rejoice, thou heaven, 
and the holy and the apostles and the prophets. So usually when it says and the holy, it's and the saints. So every translation says the saints, the apostles and prophets. That's what it's saying. God's people should be rejoicing. What a contrast to the wailing and weeping because that hopeless, deceptive world is finally shown for what it is. It's ashes. It's turned to nothing. And a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and cast it into the sea, saying, Thus with violence shall that great city Babylon be thrown down and shall be found no more at all. Reminds you, of course, Jesus said, If you stumble one of these little ones, it would be better to have a millstone tied around your neck and to be thrown into the sea. Daniel chapter 2 tells us in the last a stone cut without hands will turn into a great mountain and strike the image on the feet and destroy everything of Babylon and of Persia, Greece, of Rome, of the last Babylonian system. A, a, a rock cut without hands will come and destroy all of that. Certainly we see some of that here in this imagery. And the voice of harpers and musicians, Karl Marx said, give me the musicians and give me the poets and I will have the nation. It says here, the voice of harpers and musicians and pipers and trumpeters shall be heard no more at all. Your double negative, the oime, no more at all, no never. And no craftsman and whatsoever craft he be shall be found any more in thee. And the sound of a millstone, agriculture, shall be heard no more at all, no ever in the complete destruction. And the light of the lamp shall shine no more at all, no never in thee. And the voice of the bridegroom and of the bride shall be heard, again, double negative, no more at all, no, not ever in thee. For thy merchants were the great men of the earth, so they thought. For, they were great men, for <clears throat> by thy sorceries were all nations deceived. Interesting, it's our word there, pharmakia. By thy pharmakia, pharmakia, pharmakos, sorceries in the New Testament, we get the word pharmacy from that. It's the using and abusing of substance, that's one of the definitions of it. And certainly, you know, America, there's more people hooked on prescription barbiturates and, and drugs than anywhere in the world. You add to that the fentanyl and the heroin and the alcohol. You think how the whole world is deceived by drugs, by sorcery, by occultism, certainly. The whole world, it says, deceived by that. If you're smoking dope, you're getting high, don't tell me. Well, it's natural. Natural. Marijuana is natural. So is lead. <laughs> so is uranium. You know? You, if you got the same Holy Ghost I got, don't tell me that's natural, right? We're born again. Not born, we're not born yesterday. We're born again. It opens up, uh, we open ourselves up to a spiritual realm that we're not to be opened up to in the natural. And it's, it's a 
world of, of sorcery and occult and so forth. It says all of the nations have been affected by it. They're all worshiping the beast and so forth. And in her was found the blood of the prophets and of the saints and of all that were slain on the earth. Look, this corruption. It's interesting. Ezekiel says in chapter 16, around verse 49, what was the corruption of thy sister Sodom? How did she get herself, Sodom and Gomorrah, into that mess? And he said the root was idle time, full belly, and the pride of life. You know, we, we had pastors come over years ago from Bulgaria and Poland, and we walked into one of the supermarkets here with them, and they started to cry. They had never seen so much produce and so much meat and so much food in one place and no lines. That's America. Full belly. Agricultural cultures, they're working each day for what they're going to put on the table. Full belly. Idle time. That's where our work. You know, we have amusement. Muse means to think. Amusement means not to think. It's an industry here. Amusement. To get a whole nation not thinking. Full belly, idle time, and the pride of life, right? Proud to be an American, you know. The, the, you, there's pride on every side now. There's pride this and pride that and pride march for this and pride that. Are you kidding me? And it says that leads to corruption, idle time, full belly, pride. It leads human, and it says, and not remembering the poor or the less fortunate. It leads us into all kinds of things. And it leads to the bloodshed of those that are righteous. Interesting, I'm going to read these two things to you. You can... These are just quickly. It just You have to understand Babylon's been cooking for a long time. This is from 1919. It's part of the communist rules. It says, corrupt the young, get them away from religion, get them interested in sex, make them superficial, destroy their ruggedness. It says, get control of all means of publicity. My, my neighbors from Russia... We talk over the fence, he gets tears in his eyes. He said, I'm watching them get control of the media in this country. That's what they did in Russia. That's why I left. That's why I loved it here when I came. And I, I came here to get away from that. And they're doing the same thing. When they get control of the media, they're going to have control of the country. It says, get control of all means of publicity. Get people's minds off their government by focusing their attention on athletics, on sex, on plays, on in, uh, trivialities. Divide the people into hostile groups by constantly harping on controversial matters. Destroy the people's faith in their natural leaders by holding the latter up to contempt and ridicule. Always preach true democracy but seize power as fast and ruthlessly as possible. Be encouraging government extravagance, destroy its credit, produce fear, inflation with rising prices and general discontent, foment unnecessary strikes in vital industries, encourage civil disorders, 
foster lenient and soft attitude on the part of the government towards such disorders. By special argument caused the breakdown of the old moral virtues, honesty, sobriety, continence, faith in the pledged word, and ruggedness, and caused the registration of all firearms on some pretext with a view to confiscating them and leaving the population helpless. And that was 1919. Listen, this is, this is 1969, and this is the National Director for Planned Parenthood, who was in that position for a number of years, talking about things that were coming. He said, homosexuality will be promoted as no longer to be considered abnormal behavior. Hard-to-cure diseases will be created. Hard-to-detect means will have been developed for inducing heart attack assassinations. Drug addiction will be promoted so the unfit will die. Euthanasia would be more accepted as the cost of medical care uh, will intentionally be made burdensome. Divorce will be made easier. ID badges will become more prevalent, eventually being implanted under the skin or as a transmitter. All salary payments and purchases will be conducted electronically by computers in one banking system. The major world religions, especially Christianity, will have to change into a new world religion, and the church will help bring it about. More airplane rail accidents, as well as building and bridge collapses, will, will create an atmosphere of instability. Terrorism will be used to make people demand international controls. Economic independence would help lessen national sovereignty as people will become citizens of the world. This is not just in Revelation. This is a system that's been functioning for almost 100 years now. And it's winding down. I'm not worried because I'm part of a system that's been functioning from eternity. (laughs) I'm getting out of here soon. What the Lord wants me to do in this mess we're in is separate myself from it. And and to do that daily and continually. Realize my own inclination to get involved in. And then secondly, to rejoice about the fact that he's going to deal with all of this and take us to the place we were made for. Amen? Amen. We were made for. Glad to be through Babylon. Read ahead if we're still here, Revelation 19. Everything starts to, to move upward. It's wonderful in the chapters that are ahead. Let's stand. Let's pray together. If you don't know Christ and you're tired of this system, you see it going on around you, and you've never come to Christ, come up afterwards. We're going to pray with you, give you a Bible, some literature to read. If you're a prodigal or you're backslidden and you want to come home, well, come on up here and come on home. Let us pray with you and encourage you. Father, I know you've overheard. We put these things before you. Long chapter, Lord, but you promised a blessing to those who read and hear. And then to keep these things, certainly here of separation and rejoicing, 
separating from the proper things, rejoicing over the proper things. And Lord, we need you to do that in us. And Lord, fill us with the Spirit as we look at the lost world that surrounds us. We do not have, Lord, what is needed for that to be accomplished. That comes from your reservoir. Lord, pour out your Holy Spirit on your bride in these last days until you take us home. We trust you. We look to you. We pray in your name. Amen.